Welcome to episode 26, where today my guest is best-selling author and host of the Eat the Rules podcast, Summer In and In. Today we are discussing body positivity and what it would be like if your perfect body was the one you're in today. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. At the time of the recording of this podcast, I am 44 years old. And for the better part of the last three decades, I have been on and off obsessing about my weight and the way I look. And during these 30 years of obsession, the words I have used to describe my parents have very rarely been positive. This is not an easy podcast for me to record because in order to have a conversation with you and talk about body positivity issues, I need to be honest with you about this issue and how it has affected me over the years. When people see a thin person, they assume that they have always been thin or that being thin is effortless for them. This is very rarely the case. During my life, I have lived at both ends of the weight spectrum. In my heaviest, my weight pushed me into the category of clinically obese, where I was instructed by doctors that I needed to lose weight without being told how to do it safely. At my thinnest, after years of eating disorders, being afraid of food, and compulsive exercising, I was so thin that I stopped getting my period. After more than three years without a monthly cycle, I needed hormone replacement therapy to trick my system into working again to stop me from going into early menopause at the ripe old age of 35. And you know what? Even at my thinnest, when I was so thin I could shop in the kids section, I still wasn't happy. I still hated my body. So yeah, you could say that I have struggled with my weight my entire life, but I've also struggled with how I look from the neck up as well. No one would accuse me of being a natural beauty and I'm not comfortable enough in my own skin to ever leave the house without makeup on. So when a listener asked me to design a podcast episode around the subject of body positivity, body acceptance, and creating a more welcoming networking environment for our plus size colleagues and contemporaries, I knew I couldn't do it alone because I myself hadn't gotten there yet. As I searched the internet for the right coach to help me navigate this conversation, I knew I'd found the right person when I discovered Summer Inanen. Her website showing a picture of her taking a sledgehammer to a scale and then raising that sledgehammer in victory above her head. Summer is a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, body positivity, self-worth, and confidence. She's also the best-selling author of Body Image Remix and host of Eat the Rules, a podcast dedicated to empowering people to live on their own terms. And today she is here with us. Summer, welcome and thank you so much for joining me in this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I honestly don't know where to start with this topic. It is such a big, hairy topic. I think maybe the right question would be is, can you tell 
us a little bit about your journey, not only to body positivity, but also to believing in it so much that it became your job. I think, you know, my story, there were parts of what you said that I honestly thought you were reading my bio for a second (laughs) when you were just sharing your intro there. It is something that we all, like so many of us experience, the the majority, especially women or female identifying experience in in this culture. And for me personally, I, I was never a confident kid. Um, I don't remember a time where I felt comfortable in my body growing up. And there were a lot of influences that drove me to feel that way. My mother was a chronic dieter. I grew up in the 80s around like, you know, uh, Slim Fast and Weight Watchers, yeah. like just kind of permeating. If it's a week, we'll take off the weight. That yeah. literally grew up. Yeah, exactly. That. And like <laughs> never seeing anyone above a size two represented in media or television or TV pop culture, like any of that. Right. And I was bullied a lot for my body when I was growing up, even though, you know, if you look at it, I was kind of just more of like a kind of in-between size kid. And so that drove me to be a chronic dieter. So for like decades of my life through my teens, all through my twenties, I was a chronic dieter. I was constantly on that, like restrict binge, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat cycle. And I had a really abusive uh, relationship with exercise in particular. And it got to the point similar to you where my hormones just like weren't functioning properly anymore. Let me take a step back before that happened. I actually went down the sort of like health and wellness route, which was almost like an excuse for my behaviors. It was like just a justification for my behaviors. It was like, oh, I'm so healthy. Like I'm the one who does paleo and CrossFit. I felt like that way when I became a marathon runner and it was an excuse to exercise for hours a day. Yeah. What you were supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and marathon runners often didn't get their period. So that I just kind of felt like I finally fit into like, yeah, I'm a marathon runner. I exercise too much and I don't get my period. And I didn't look at it from the other parts of why I was obsessed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So it kind of tricks you into thinking like this is the healthy thing because it's so normalized. Diet culture is so normalized in our culture. That's why it's called diet culture. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. And anyway, so, you know, similar to you, like I was missing my cycle. Like I just kind of felt like I'd lost my spark. And so I went to see multiple doctors. I actually went to see these doctors because I was so upset that my diets weren't working anymore. Like I just couldn't lose weight anymore. Mm. I was like gaining weight and I couldn't figure out why. And then finally I found like a naturopathic doctor that was, that tested all my hormones and was like, you have the hormones of a postmenopausal woman. And Mm -hmm. like, it's because you're like so much stress on your body from restricting food and over exercising. And you need to like completely take time off from the gym, start eating more, start eating carbohydrates, things like that. And I remember getting into the car after that conversation and, and crying, not because my hormones were the same as a postmenopausal woman at the age of 32 or 30 or whenever it was, but because she told me I couldn't exercise. And that's when I started to piece together that I had a problem Mm -hmm. and that I didn't need to keep making over my plate and my exercise regime. I needed to really look at what was going on inside my brain. And so I ended up going on this journey towards discovering that the root of all of this was really the way I felt about my body. That was what had sort of kickstarted this unhealthy relationship with food and myself. And then underneath that was just this sense of unworthiness that I really thought my value was in my appearance. And because I hated my appearance, I didn't think I had any value. And so I did a lot of work. I worked with coaches and did a lot of personal work around it to get to a point where 
I really built up a solid sense of self-worth outside of my appearance. And at the time I was actually practicing as a nutritionist. And I started to just see this common theme of everyone who was coming to see me was just so unhappy with their body and they were looking to food as the solution. And I was on this path of self-discovery. I discovered intuitive eating, which is when you really just kind of listen to your natural intuitive desires and hunger and fullness. And I started to incorporate that in my practice. But then I realized like the real crux of this was the body image piece. And I took a couple different life coaching courses, but really steered my focus towards helping people with confidence and body image and self-worth. And so I've been doing that for just over six years now. And it's amazing. Like for me personally, I don't say I love my body. I'm kind of like, not really into that. I just don't really think about it that much anymore. Like I just don't really think about my appearance that much anymore. I look in the mirror. Maybe I like what I see. Maybe I don't, but I go on with my day. I live a fulfilling life and I feel good enough. I'm just not that hard on myself. I still have some negative thoughts because we don't get rid of them completely, which I'm sure is something we'll talk about at some point here, but it's just, it's freedom. It's just this sense of calm and peace in my brain. I'm just not riddled with that constant negative chatter that I used to have. And that's what I want for others. Like I, because like diet culture and really fixating on our bodies, it wastes decades of our lives. Like it takes our time. It takes our money. It takes our energy, steals our purpose. Mm -hmm. And we have to reclaim that. It's not just like an individual thing. It really is kind of a broader social justice thing too. It is stealing our time and energy and money. Like it's causing us to not be as successful, not be as fulfilled, not be as active in, in politics or wherever else you might be active. And so it's, it serves a much greater purpose in terms of, it, it's not about, I just want women to love their body. That's not what I do. I really see this yeah. as a bigger, it's like really reclaiming the fire within us. And that's been dampened by our society. Yeah. When I think about how much it takes away from you on so many levels, obviously my podcast is about networking and feeling comfortable walking into a room and talking to anybody, but it goes into things like my husband and I take a vacation every year and there, I have so few pictures of myself on vacation Yeah, because I don't want to see a picture of myself and it doesn't matter. It didn't matter when I was at my thinnest again, when I hadn't had my period for three years, when I was shopping in kids clothing, I still didn't want my picture taken. I interviewed somebody about happiness and I always thought I'll be happy when I weigh this and when I make this much money. And I was never happy when I got those things. So how do we get past that? If you're saying that feeling better in your body isn't about liking the way you look, it's like liking who you are. People see us first. They see our bodies first before they know who we are. So how do we get past that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of episodes right there. trying to know that we're gonna have down. this summer it's, in and series on the podcast <laughs> it's not yeah I think well I think it's important to recognize that you're we're born into this world and immediately you're sort of implanted with this this desire to lose weight and it's so normalized it's like the pursuit of thinness and beauty and everything else like we've been conditioned to believe that our our value is in our appearance And that in order to be accepted and have belonging in society, we have to be desirable. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just like 
one of the first things is recognizing like all the different forces that have caused you to feel this way and to know that it's not your fault. Like it's not your fault that you feel this way. You're not defective. It's a near universal condition of every person, woman Mm -hmm. mostly in our culture to feel this way, but we can reject it. (laughs) We don't have to give our power, keep giving our power over to like whoever in our mind we think is judging us (laughs) because for the most part, like If you go to a funeral, you never hear the person say, you know, I loved her because she had such a nice ass. Like she was just so hot. That's why we loved her. You know, you just, you just don't hear that. People like you may think everyone sort of judges you on the surface level. And yes, there are people that will and that do, but there Mm -hmm. is something that kind of comes out of all of us in who we are. And, and when we can really understand who we are, like know our values, know our purpose, know the qualities that make us who we are and really start to connect with those things, express those things and start to challenge these, these beliefs that we've had that told us that we're not good enough and told us that our values and our appearance, we can start to really move past that and stop caring so much about that outer exterior. I know that's not like a, here's the kind of step-by-step process, but it's sort of the overarching theme of it. And hopefully that gets people fired up to want to do it because when you think about it, it's like, I don't want somebody else telling me what to do with my body and my life. Like, I don't want to be like trying to make myself attractive for what some guy named Chad on the internet. Like, (laughs) no, thank you. Um, (laughs) You know, all the Chads out there who are really good guys. (laughs) (laughs) I want people to value me for who I am. And, and I have to, you know, like, obviously it starts with connecting with those things within yourself too. And I can give more specifics as well. (laughs) I had a listener ask, and I, and I understand this question. When you walk into a room, no matter what you look like, people will look at you. Again, your, your mm-hmm. body comes into the room a lot of times before your personality or before what you're saying. And I had a, I had a listener ask, like, how do you get over when you think people are immediately judging you based on your physical appearance, based on yes. your size? Because this society equates how fit you are with how much energy you have. If you're a big person, you're probably lazy and you don't probably work Mm -hmm. as hard. I think it's a two-part question. I'm not sure. Like, how do we, you know, walk into a room and not be affected by those things that maybe aren't, people aren't thinking, but we're perceiving that they're thinking, or how do we start to change the conversation around being a big person isn't because you're lazy or isn't because you've tried. And also Mm -hmm. being a really thin person doesn't mean you don't have exercise anorexia. Like, you know, both of them are really difficult. Yeah. So it's such a good question and I'll try to compartmentalize it into different pieces. Let's talk about it from before you even walk into the room. What are some things that you can do? And I think one of the biggest things that we can do is we want to change our own internal belief system and our own thoughts around, around the way we feel about ourselves. Because when we are afraid of judgment, often we're grappling with our own negative beliefs and fears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not to, to invalidate someone's lived experience. Like, yes, weight discrimination is hundred percent real. That phobia is rampant in our culture. But one of the things that we can really start with that's so, you know, very easy to do is to change up who you're exposing yourself to. So most of us have a phone. Most of us are like mindlessly scrolling through Instagram. If you're looking at social media and you're the majority of people that you're seeing don't look 
like you or bigger than you, then you need to change that up. Because in our culture, 95% of the images that we're exposed to, whether that's television, the advertisement on the bus, it's all young, thin, white, um, like that, that is extremely photoshopped. Like exactly. And social media is awful for that too. So if you follow a lot of fitness or wellness or like lifestyle influencers, entrepreneur influencers, they all sort of look that way too. And so what you want to do is you want to change that. You want to look at people in larger bodies, different skin colors, different ages. And that process can create a major shift in how you perceive yourself. And depending on what kind of industry you're in or who you're following, like you want to try and find people who look different than you and like honestly if you go to my instagram page and you see who i follow like 85 percent of who i follow is not people who look like me it's all people Mm -hmm. in you know larger bodies different skin tones and that it makes a huge difference and i think like we talked before we started recording that you might have some people who are in the corporate world listening or like maybe entrepreneurial try to find other people to follow and listen to who don't look like you like in the entrepreneurial world like rachel rogers is amazing tyler mccall is great kelly deals is another one she's a feminist marketing consultant and they're in bodies that don't fit that traditional mold and that is really critical. Same thing with like athletes. There's just so many that are in larger bodies start to kind of dismantle these fat phobic beliefs that we have that like, oh, if you're in a larger body, then, you know, you're unhealthy or you're lazy. Like, no, that is not true. That's just what we've been taught. And so that's a really, really easy thing to do. And it makes a huge difference. Like I have a massive, uh, you know, three month program where I work with people. And sometimes at the end, I'm like, what was the biggest thing that you did? And they're like, oh, I changed my social media feed. And I'm like, we do that like before the program even begins. That's like, And yet that's the one thing that stands out so much to people. So that makes a big difference. And then in terms of starting to change your own thoughts, one of the big things that I do when I work with people is introducing the concept of your inner critic. And your inner critic is that negative voice in your head. An asshole. I just did an episode. I just did an episode on it. And I, it's an asshole and a liar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's also an innocent part of us that's there for a reason. And it's going to show up anytime we're outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So we can never get rid of it completely. And so anytime you're in a situation, like going into a room where there's people you haven't met before, that's outside your comfort zone. So your Mm -hmm. inner critic is going to be there. So instead of hoping to go into those situations without any negative thoughts, it's more helpful to almost expect it and know, okay, here's my inner critic, create that separation like actually call it something different than yourself like try to like a big thing that you can do is just instead of thinking to yourself oh no one's gonna like me say to yourself my inner critic is telling me that people I tell people to name their inner critic yeah they call it out by name and tell it to be quiet yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you know I like the thing with telling it to be quiet is it, it sort of dismisses it instead of like one of the things that I like to do is just actually acknowledge how you're feeling. Like sure. okay, I'm feeling really nervous. I'm feeling really fearful. I'm feeling really vulnerable mm-hmm. because that becomes a lot easier to tend to yourself in the moment than uh, dismissing it sort of like, you know, is not understanding like, why it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and letting that feeling be there. I'm give a voice to it. Like, I'm feeling really nervous right now. I'm mm-hmm. feeling like people are going to judge me. And mm-hmm. that acknowledgement actually just 
can have a bit of a calming effect because then that emotion isn't so overpowering. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's one way to use that too. And then, and to be really like gentle and compassionate with yourself. This is really hard. You're going into a room where people, you're afraid of people judging you. Like, it's no wonder you feel that way. Like maybe you Mm -hmm. were bullied as a kid or whatever. And that self-talk, that compassionate self-talk can really help you to diffuse that that huge anxiety charge that can come when you're starting to catastrophize and spiral. Mm-hmm. So those are two things right there. And then I can talk more about actually well, walking I mean, into you a room said, too. You said really <laughs> interesting. And we can change what we see on social media, hundred percent. We yeah. can change the people we surround us in an immediate circle in an immediate geography. We can change the people we see on a daily basis. But when we go into a networking event, that is something we can't change. We can't change if we are going to be the largest person in the room. We can't change that. So does changing our feed and having this self-talk, does that prepare you for potentially being the largest person in the room and hopefully not feeling that everybody is looking at you only because of your size and judging you only because of your size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to help. Like for one, it's something you can control. You can't control who's going to be there. You could be in a, you know, a smaller body and people could judge you. Like people who are judging right. are judging. They're judging yeah, everybody are, are judging. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that, again, that's not to invalidate that experience because it certainly does happen. One thing I like to say is it's kind of like an asshole filter. Like if someone's going to judge you, then you don't, do you really want to like be collaborating with them or working with them? Maybe they're not the right person because right. they're seeing your value in your appearance. I don't, I don't want that person hanging out with me or doing anything with me that can sometimes be like a helpful reframe but when you're having that fear I think it's also important to connect with a bigger purpose like something that I will do with sometimes with people is have them think about being a role model to somebody else in their life maybe that's their child maybe it's their niece maybe it's their best friend's kid or whatever and think about okay if I want to be a role model to them what would I do what am I going to do? How do I want to show up? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's easier to do something for a bigger purpose than to do something for yourself. And that can help in those moments to just give you a bit of motivation and purpose for going in there of, you know what, I might be the biggest person in the room, but me being there gives other people permission to be there too. Sure. It helps other people to know, okay, if they can do that, I can do that too. Because that's exactly what we're doing when we're looking for role models in larger bodies. We're looking to them and, and thinking like, okay, okay, if they can do that, like I can do that too. Um, And so you can be that change that you want to see. Right. So in a corporate setting, how can colleagues be more of a support for people in their office who are maybe larger? The reason I'm asking this is like, Every company will have a weight loss thing or like the things that they do together are sports-based or whatever. Is there a way to just be more welcoming and appreciative and supportive of larger bodies? Well, yeah, I think we all need to work through our own internalized fat phobia. And I would suggest that people follow people who are talking about fat activism and things like that. But 
to learn more to because learn if this more, is a new educate. concept for right. you, then right. like, you know, there's a lot of learning that needs right. to be done to really understand that like someone's size doesn't dictate their ability or their athleticism or their intelligence or anything like right. that. That's all just stuff that we've been brainwashed to believe. And, um, but you know, you can be an ally to other people by thinking like, is this sort of upholding this idea that it's better to be thin? If there's a weight loss challenge, like, yes, right. that's upholding this idea that it's better to be thin. Can we change it to just like, I don't know, a meditation challenge, like something that is I like- I would fail that. I'm also, so bad at meditation. Also just like, you know, for our overall well-being, but not upholding this idea yeah. that thinner is better. You know, if we're going out to do a sport, like- it can, is this accessible to everyone? Are there yes. seats large enough for people? Like, or is the restaurant just booths where maybe not everyone is going to be able to fit? Yeah. And it's just starting to understand the world, not through the privileged lens that some of us have, including myself, because I'm right. in a straight size body. And to get to a place where you can sort of start to see those things, because mm. I still have blinders on in some areas where, where I'll read something and think, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Just start to educate yourself and challenge yourself on your own beliefs around what it means for someone to be in a larger body versus a thinner body for the betterment of, of everyone, for the betterment of a more inclusive and a society where we're not valuing people based on, on how they look. I think that is the best, the, one of the best things I've ever heard as far as how do we become more supportive of people who are in larger bodies and it's not telling them how to lose weight and it's not telling them that they're unhealthy. It's understanding what it's like to be in a large body. Like just treating them like you treat anyone else. Like right. you treat it like just, hey, how's it going? What are you waiting for lunch today? Oh, cool. That looks good. Me too. Yeah. You know? And just being mindful of the influence, like diet culture really has a, a hold on a lot of corporate environments. And I think that yes. we're trying to just fight back against that by just not labeling food as good or bad, not talking about your own body, um, not talking about anyone's body. Right. And so whatever somebody does with their body is their business. It's not your body. It's not your place to say anything. Right. You're a body positivity coach and you're still not a hundred percent there. You still have days where you, you don't feel a hundred percent about your body or something's happening and you're feeling down on yourself. And I'm asking you, I think we have to give ourselves permission to say that we're not going to be happy all the time. And we're, we can't kill ourselves to, for this ideal because it doesn't matter. We're always going to have issues. Uh, it's just, like you said, it's just the way that we're designed. I would love your thoughts on that because so many people want to get to a point where they're like, okay, I'm 100%. I, 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 I love myself. I love my body. I love it all day long. But that's not going to last. You know, that's, that's a, I don't want to say it's a fleeting thing, but you will still have doubts about yourself. Yeah, that's toxic, actually. Like, I think that that's like, that's a toxic expectation. It's like toxic positivity, which is yeah. this notion of being like, oh, I'm, I love myself. I'm so happy all the time. What I want for people is balance. So if you almost think about yourself like a bird and on one wing is negative thoughts and the other wing is more compassionate, peaceful, loving thoughts, you want those two things in balance. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you're just feeling a little inferior or you're feeling fearful. And you're gonna have days where you feel good, or you might have those two things kind of coexisting or be one thing one hour and another thing another like we're dynamic human beings. What, what I want is for people to get to a place where they feel 
neutral in their body. So where it's just there <laughs> and they're just not really giving it a lot of thought other than they want to decorate it or look a certain way. Like that's totally cool. But in terms of emotionally speaking, I think we think, well, if I feel good in my body or if I'm thin, I'm just going to be absolved of any sort of negative emotion and experience. Mm -hmm. And that's not true at all. That is such a, you know, horrible expectation to put on yourself because then you're just going to beat yourself up when you have a bad day or you're going right. to feel like what's wrong with me. And so lower the bar. You're human. You're going to have bad days where you don't feel good about yourself. And ultimately I, I just, I, I really want it to be less about your body. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully then you just feel more indifferent about your body. Like I had this client give me a testimonial recently and she was like, I feel indifferent in my body. And, and as funny as that sounds, I was like, that's perfect. That's what I want for people is to just feel yeah. indifferent. And wouldn't that be so liberating to just feel indifferent about it and not have it have that like grip on you. But I think having the expectation to feel good all the time is pretty harmful for your own well-being because then you're not giving your emotions the space to actually be there. It's sort of like an avoidance tactic and that only causes things to really build inside and become even more built up over time. That's amazing for me because I never thought about body positivity as being like, I just don't think about my body. I always thought of it as, oh, I'm really happy with my body. I like the way my body looks like this and like that. And like, I never thought of it as like, well, it's my vessel to move around the world. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, I got to be honest with you. I use the word body positivity because it's more SEO friendly. It's probably how you found me. But then yeah. once you sort of open the door to my world, you see that I know I don't even actually use the word positivity at all. I talk about like indifference and neutrality and just overall acceptance and acceptance of things. We can just kind of accept that we don't like something about ourselves and move on. And it takes the power away from it. That's good. Because this podcast obviously is around networking, business development. Do you have tools that somebody can use? Well, we're not walking into rooms right now. We're not walking into live rooms. We're walking into Zoom rooms and air meets and stuff like that. But pretty soon we're going to get to the point where we're going to come out of our COVID hibernation and we're going to go into rooms. And maybe we're not even comfortable going into that room because we haven't done it in so long. We have, I haven't walked into a live networking event since February of last year of 2020. So is there something, is there a checklist of things that, people can do before walking into a room so they can feel their best in their own skin. Yeah. You know what? You brought up like a really good point there. And that is because we've been in isolation for so long. Like I talked about how, you know, anytime we're outside of our comfort zone, our negative thoughts get louder. And so what's happened is because of our isolation, our comfort zones sort of become really small. <laughs> Like we're just used to existing with the people in our house, existing with whoever is there. And also only from like tits up because that's totally. what shows are. <laughs> exactly. Right. So when we re-enter the world again, I would expect that those negative thoughts are going to be louder because your comfort zone has been, uh, has shrunk. So just remember that. I think that that's really important that it's going to feel a little harder. So go really gentle on yourself. Like, okay, you haven't done this in a while. And then the more you do it again, the bigger your comfort zone will be and the more comfortable that you will feel. But in terms of a checklist, I think one of the things that I heard you um, say, I think it was in like your most recent podcast about music and confidence. Mm. Um, 
I loved that because that's one thing that I always tell people to do as they're getting ready to go somewhere is to really use like something that sort of pumps you up. So whether that is music or an outfit that you really feel comfortable in, and that's important, like what you're wearing, like wear something that makes you feel the most comfortable versus like, I'm going to try and squeeze myself into this thing that feels like a corset, whatever is going to make you feel like the most comfortable in yourself. And music can be a really good tool of embodiment. I will have people do that and actually stand up and feel the music and almost breathe in that energy and feel it before they go. And then do a little visualization of how you want it to go. So think about, I'm going to walk into this room. I can imagine there's someone over here. There's someone over here. Here are some things I might say. And if in that visualization, you start to feel any kind of like anxiety come up, just take a few deep breaths, let that be there. But that like that little visualization before can be really powerful. It almost just helps you prepare. Sometimes it can help you see, okay, this is not going to be that bad. What's the worst thing that can happen? Or it might help you express some of the, that anxiety that's underneath. It can just give get that little space to get that out before. Um, and then when you walk in, like to really think again about that embodiment, try to take whatever you had from that music, that confidence booster, whether that's my shoulders or back or my hands are on my hips or whatever that is, because that can actually help to change um, the energy within our body, like what's going on in our body, what's going on in our mind. It can be a really helpful tactic in that moment. And then the other thing that I tell people is if they're feeling really anxious or they're feeling like people are judging them to really bring their attention to the other people, put all your focus on asking them questions, be really curious with other people, ask them a lot of questions. And that helps to take the focus off of yourself that can be a good way in that moment. We've talked about other ways to work through these negative thoughts and change those things. And you can totally do that in the moment. One thing that I always give to people when they're in social situations where they feel start to feel really self-conscious is put all your focus on the other people and asking yeah. them questions and being curious. And I'm sure I'm positive you probably tell people that too, because that's yeah. not like a groundbreaking thing. Well, one thing I've learned is that nobody is thinking about me as much as I'm thinking about me. Yeah. Like, no one is is fixated on the things about myself that I'm fixated on about myself. Like I'm my own worst critic. I always just try to say whatever I'm feeling, they're not feeling it. Like whatever I feel about myself, they are not feeling that about me. That's yeah. my own perception. And yes, some people might feel like people are looking at them because they're bigger or whatever, but they might not be, you know, it's yeah. just the way that you are interpreting different things. We make a lot of assumptions. Like we really, we make a ton of assumptions and stories. And here's the thing. If you actually feel like someone is judging you, first of all, don't give them your time or attention. <laughs> yeah. And if someone were to say something to you that is critical, you have the right to say, do not comment on my body or do not comment on what I'm eating, you know, just to really assert that boundary. And if you feel uncomfortable in a situation, you have permission to leave. But the other thing I was going to add to this is I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for the things that we do that are really brave and courageous, like putting ourselves out there like that. And so one way to build up this sense of our own value and our own worthiness is to really give ourselves credit. So after the event or even during it, like, look at me, I went to that thing. Like I did it. Like, even though I had that doubt, I did it mm -hmm. anyways. What can you do to celebrate yourself in that regard? Whether that's through just affirming yourself verbally, or even just treating yourself to something as a way to show yourself that like you did it and you matter. And that's something to really be proud of. 
I know your website has a free offering, a body confidence makeover, a 10 day body confidence makeover. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what the journey that people will take over those 10 days? Sure. It's just 10 steps that you can take to feel better in your body. A lot of it is getting rid of the things that make you feel bad about yourself. And so one of them is changing up your social media feed, which I talked about. Mm-hmm. And it takes you through like just, okay, day one, do this, day two, do this. And through that process, you start to get rid of some of those things that are really feeding the voice of the inner critic and start to add some things in that help you change your, the belief system that you have about bodies and what it means to be in a certain size body. And tell us about your book. So I wrote that book, Body Image Remix. It's about six years old now. So it's a little older. It's a quick read and it walks you through where your body image comes from. It's some things that you can start to do to feel better in your body in particular around changing your thoughts and being more compassionate to yourself and things like that. So probably during that, reading that book, trying to figure out where your body (laughs) image comes from, people are probably discovering a lot of things about where their negative thoughts come from, I'm assuming. Yeah, the book actually has some prompts in it. So like some journal prompts that Mm -hmm. that give you some things to consider and some things to sort of reflect on as you go through that process. A lot of it is from the way that we were brought up. And and sometimes it can be really helpful to connect with some of the pivotal moments that really shifted the way that you feel in your body, whether that was the time that someone said something to you about your body. Um, that's usually a common one. So yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave that in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can then like really think, gosh, I was only like 10 or 11 or whatever it was. And that shifted everything for me. But then you can think, okay, like how can I start to heal that part of myself not to get to like dr phil on you here but um <laughs> no i think everybody should go to therapy at least once. well yeah yeah exactly but you know tending to that that wound within us because that's really like that's where all of this starts to grow and stem from right. and if we can see the innocence of it and be almost like reparent ourselves in a way around the messages that we needed to hear mm-hmm. that can be really helpful as well let's uh chat a little bit about your podcast Yes. So my podcast is called Eat the Rules. I talk a lot about like anti-dieting. I talk a lot about breaking rules. There's over 180 episodes up at the time of this recording. And there's like a lot of recent ones that are under what I call my body image series. I would say that's a really good place for people to go. If you Google the body image series and eat the rules, that'll come up. And that that gives a lot of body image information and, and tips on how to feel better. That's awesome. Summer, thanks so much for being here, for being here with us and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I'm so glad you reached out and invited me on. Ah, thanks. So I certainly learned a few things in today's interview. Perhaps the most powerful thing was that body positivity doesn't mean that you love the way your body looks every single day, all day. It means that you don't think about your body in negative terms. It means that you accept it the way it is. That it isn't the metric by which you grade how much you like yourself or tell yourself how much you're allowed to achieve. What I also learned is that it would be a whole hell of a lot easier for people in larger bodies to accept their bodies if there wasn't consistent messaging by media, advertising, their own families, and their general surroundings, that what they look like isn't beautiful or athletic or acceptable. Aren't we tired yet? Aren't we tired of the energy it takes to constantly be thinking about our bodies and what other people think about our bodies? 
A report published by Common Sense Media found that more than 50% of girls and nearly 33% of boys between the ages of 6 and 8, 6 and 8, felt that their ideal body weight was less than their current weight. Results also revealed that 25% of kids had tried some type of dieting behavior by the age of 7. No wonder we are exhausted by it all. Can you imagine what we could do with all the extra energy that we waste fretting about what size jeans we fit into? Where could we put that energy? What other parts of our lives would benefit from attention and obsession that we have been giving to our weight? Would we have more time for friends, for work, for actually being active? The answer is yes. And you can bet your ass we'd be happier too. Your value, your worth will not increase because you fit into a smaller pair of pants. It's how you treat yourself and others. It's when you take the time to put yourself in someone else's shoes before you judge them. It's understanding the bias that you have against other people. It's creating a more welcoming environment for all shapes and sizes. For today's drink of the day, I took inspiration from something Summer said in the interview. She said, think about yourself like a bird, and on one wing is negative thoughts, and on the other wing is more compassionate, peaceful, and loving thoughts. You want those two things in balance. You're going to have bad days, and you will have really good days, but for the most part, we want balance in how we look at ourselves. This is why I have chosen a drink called the Yellow Bird, which is a super fun combination of white rum, Galliano, which is a golden sweet vanilla anise flavored liqueur, triple sec, and lime juice, and it's served straight up as a martini. You'll find a couple different versions of this recipe online, but I'm using the version on Wikipedia and also the Masterclass cocktail series. I'll put, a, uh, I'll put the full recipe um, in the show notes for you. As always, thanks for taking the time to listen. If you like what you hear, please, pretty please, share this podcast with your friends. If you have time, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can also check out my book, This Shit Works, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or you can just keep coming here every week. I'll be here waiting for you. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.